listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So this morning, we're going to continue our series called the gift. And last week we saw the gift to the wise men. And it was a gift of joy. And we talked about a lot of times this time of year, we should have all this joy. It's hard to find a Christmas song that doesn't talk about us having joy. But in reality, it often seems like it's just the opposite. Well, this morning we're going to look at another experience, another story from Scripture that is probably the most read. My wife said it's her favorite of all the Christmas stories. It's probably talked about more than any other around the life, the birth of Jesus, and it has to do with the shepherds. And they are this morning going to receive an amazing gift. And in fact, it's a gift that all of us need absolutely more than anything. It's something that we've maybe had or experienced or feel at times, and other times it seems to elude us. It's something that we feel the effects when it's not there. And what happens is it then affects everything about us, uh, our lives, people in it, even our jobs, our careers, all of the things about us, our sleep, everything gets affected by this one gift. And it's the gift of peace. Now, when we think about this, I think oftentimes we think about like, we might say countries that are warring against each other and there's this need for peace or, you know, those rare moments where you're maybe fighting with your spouse or maybe it's a sibling, uh, people at work or friends or whoever it might be, you feel that need that there needs, there's no peace here and we need that. But I think oftentimes when we think about peace, we often mean the absence of troubles or conflict, that when there's peace, there is no trouble, there is no conflict. When we think about it, it might be this way, and this is where I have been all week. It's not really with anyone else, but it seems like there has been this complete unrest just even within me, whether it's anxiety and not being able to sleep or fears or those sort of things, or even within yourself, all these lies and different things that are battling in our minds and it seems like at times that we are not even at peace within ourselves and so I think oftentimes that's how we view it it's a a peace is this thing that happens when there is no conflict or no strife or no trouble but the biblical aspect of peace it does not just focus on the absence of those things that is part of it But the biblical concept of peace also says that there is a peace even in the midst of all of those things, of troubles and trials and strife. In fact, it's promised that you will have trouble, but that there's still this peace that can happen. In fact, when you read through the New Testament, you'll see peace in two major ways. It will talk about our peace and our need to have that with our Creator. And without that... Nothing else in your life matters. And nothing else will work out. You will always be at odds within yourself and other people if you don't have peace with your Creator. Well, the second type of peace has to do with just life experiences. And so I'd love to ask us, and even where you sit this morning going, do you feel 
at peace this morning? First of all, do you feel a complete, whole relationship with God the Creator? Do you still feel that you know you're at war with Him? What about peace with yourself? And man, that's where I have been this week. What about those around you? Maybe even with your children or your spouses or even with your own families that are you at peace? So the big overarching question this morning is, do you need, and I love the scripture word, it says shalom. Do you need shalom this morning? So this morning we're going to see that peace, it's this way. You can go out and you can search for it. You can try to earn it. You can try to pay for it. You can buy some self-help book and read through the steps and do every one of them and nothing will bring you peace. You can't grow it. You can't manufacture it. You can't go and earn it. But it is a gift that you receive and then you open it. So let's see it this morning, this gift of peace. It's found in Luke chapter 2, the, the classic of all passages or around the birth of Jesus. And this is the gift of the shepherds. And if you like to take notes, here's how I like to break down this passage. It's in five kind of major sections. We're going to see what I like to call the light breaks the darkness. And then you're going to see this incredible angelic uh, announcing. Then you're going to see it's one of the most remarkable things about this passage is heaven is going to respond to what this angel just said. Then the promise, it's going to be fulfilled in verses 15 to 17. And then you'll see the response of God's people. So the context is this, is that Mary and Joseph, they've left Nazareth because this guy named Caesar Augustus said, I want to count everyone. I want to know everyone in my kingdom. And so they go and they find their way. And all of a sudden, Mary's water breaks and she needs a place to have a baby, but there's no room. And they find themselves in what's called, often referred to as a stable, a place that would hold animals, perhaps a, a cave built into the side of a hill, something like that. And what stands out is that this is where this very Son of God is actually going to be born. But then Luke is going to kind of transform and move us, our attention, to a, a different place, only about a mile or two away it's called the shepherd's field. And you can go there today and you can see these fields. It's those fields you read about in the book of Ruth. And so these shepherds are out in this field. And this is how it reads beginning in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field and watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. So, I mean, imagine that scene. It's the middle of the night. The light has given way to the darkness. And it's like those moments if you've maybe ever traveled out west or in West Texas where you get away from all the lights where there's no street lights, there's no buildings lit up. And it's like there's a darkness that you almost have never seen before. Your eyes adjust to where you can, can lightly see things. And so these shepherds are out in this this time at night, and their eyes have adjusted. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. But not just an angel. It says that a light, it totally shatters through this darkness. But it's no ordinary light. Do you see what this light is? It's not the light of the sun. It's not the reflection of the sun off the moon. What is bringing this light, it says it's the very glory of the Lord. 
In the darkness of that night, it gives way to the glory of the Lord. There, nothing could stand in its way. And so the shepherds, they're out in this field, and this happens, and it says they experience not just a fear. It says they were filled with great fear. My grandfather would say they had the snot scared out of them. Didn't quite ever understand that, but that was always what he said. But they were overcome. They were terrified of what was happening. Because, listen, they, they did not have a category for what was happening in front of them. No way to explain what they were seeing. And then all of a sudden, this angel is going to make an angelic announcement in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not. So the first thing this angel wants to do, wants them to calm down. He wants to release their fear. And then he says, Behold, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. I mean, this news, it is going to be so great. It is going to produce not just a joy. It says a great joy. A joy that is much greater than any fear they could have. And notice who it's for. I bring you great news with great joy, and it is for all the people. This news is great. It's going to create a joy in absolutely all of the people. That's what it's destined to do. Man, at this point, he's got the shepherd's attention. Man, they have to be thinking, okay, tell me. Tell me. No more waiting. Let me know what this is. But it's these next three, verse, next three words that packs so much meaning. And you would read it, and it simply says, and we've heard it, and we've kind of glossed over it, and it says, for unto you. But what we need to stop and do is to think about who these shepherds were, because everybody, everybody loves, everybody loves the shepherds. I mean, these were the guys, you know, that were watching over their adorable flocks and keeping watch over the sheep. But what happens is if we don't understand really how shepherds were viewed, we miss the meaning of those three words, for unto you. You see, the shepherds were not looked upon as favorable people. This was, if we were to rewrite the song, it'd be, Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be shepherds. Because the thing is, shepherds were not anyone in society. In fact, if you ranked everybody, most people would say they were just above a leper. This was how people in this day viewed these shepherds. They were looked down upon. They were seen as lesser people in society, especially among the religious people. Because religious leaders and people, they looked down on them because of their responsibilities of always having to care for the flock. They never could leave them, always having to be in the fields. They were not allowed to participate in all of the religious rituals. They were seen as untrustworthy, even unreliable. In fact, if you were mugged and the only witness was a shepherd, you were up a creek without a paddle. A shepherd could not even go before the court and testify. And this is how unworthy and untrustworthy and unreliable people viewed shepherds. Man, have you ever felt that way? I mean, felt like just a complete outsider, somebody unworthy, or felt like, man, I have no value or, or no worth. It had to be how these shepherds were looked upon, when in fact they held one of the most important 
jobs. Many say they were watching over the lambs during this time, and it was perhaps the lambs that were about to be slaughtered in the Passover. But paint the picture this way. And I'll say you're a student, and you know, high school and middle school, man, can be absolutely cruel times. And man, we go through these times, and it seems like there'll be times where we feel that, man, we're not included, we're looked down upon, that no one will give us the time of day, and it doesn't take much, and we can feel absolutely worthless. But you go about your day, or an ordinary day, feeling alone, feeling like an outsider, when all of a sudden, someone notices. Someone invites you into their circle, gets to know you, get into what you would call their circle of friends. And man, now you're the one that's included on these text threads when, man, no one seemed to care what was going on. If you had somebody inviting you to go to the movies and to go hang out, you, you had someone to finally sit with at, at lunch and to go to the game, and you always knew now there's going to be someone there for me to hang out with. All of a sudden, you're noticed you're included, and you feel loved. I think this, these three words is a lot like what the shepherds must have been experiencing. They were outcasts, not valued at all by society, looked down upon. And all of a sudden, this angel appears out of nowhere through the darkness and says, what I'm about to promise is for you, for unto you. The angel is saying, you matter. You have value. You have worth. Because in reality, they did not hold a, a high or even a respectable place of society. But they held a special place in God's heart. And notice the promise or the announcement. It says, unto you is born this very day. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So it gives them the place, the city of David, the one place we know that the king is going to come from. But underline, notice, the three identifiers that Luke gives to this young baby. It's three words, and each one of them carries a different meaning. And Luke does this on purpose. First of all, he says he is a savior. In fact, when the angel came to Joseph in uh, Matthew 1... He tells him this, that you shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from, his, from their sins. Meaning, if you've ever sinned against God, you need this baby to come as a savior. In fact, only God can forgive sins against him, so that's why he sends his eternal son into the world, because he is God, and he sends him as a savior, because he knows that's a need. But then it says Christ. So this word, it's Christos, and it means anointed one. It's the word that we get Messiah from. He's saying that this baby that is called Jesus is this long-predicted, long-awaited, the one that will be above every other leader. He's the final king. He's the final prophet. And he is the final priest, all wrapped up in one. He's saying all of God's promises, they find their yes in this one. He is the promised Messiah. And then he says ruler or Lord. It means the sovereign one, the, 
the mighty God, we would say the everlasting Father, meaning He's the one that rules over all the universe. So He sends the one that can save. He sends the one that is the anointed, the the promised one. And He sends the one that will reign eternally. But you're thinking it's just a baby, so where must He be found? And they get some details But then at times, not very much, because look at verse 12. They said, this is your sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's nothing spectacular. Most babies would be wrapped in this. But he says, you'll find him lying in a manger. So what's amazing is who this child is and where he is. Because you would not expect to find the Savior, the the Christ, the, the Lord, the Messiah in an animal's room. You would expect a palace or a place of honor. But this ruler and this king, he comes from the humblest of beginnings. In fact, Jesus' life contains these, these strange and these unusual bookends where he's born in a stable and he's going to die among robbers. So that's the promise and, and that's the announcement And that's the sign they receive. But it's this next scene, to me, is just breathtaking. So when the angel makes this promise and this announcement to these lowly shepherds, notice the response from heaven. In verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. So all of a sudden, behind this single lone angel, an army of angel appears. Not just a few, not ten, not a hundred, not a thousand Too many to count. It says, a multitude comes praising the Lord. And with one voice saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And as we sing this morning, it's the angels roaring this behind the one. So I want you to notice the contrast. One single angel delivers the announcement, but it takes an army of angels to respond to it. And they are shouting yet another promise. Peace is offered to those with whom God is pleased. But if we're not careful, that verse can be very misleading. So we all want peace, we'd all want that, so what do we have to do? Well, let's go and please God. But no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, it will never be enough. The angels are not saying that peace is possible if you go and live a life and you do it in a way that then pleases God. Now, we should all want to do that. We should all want to please the Lord with our lives. But that's not what creates peace. They are saying when God's goodwill or His favor, when it rests upon you, you will have peace. So what do we do to make God's favor rest upon us? How do we experience this this peace that's happening? 
Well, you're going to have to wait. We'll look at it in just a moment. But what I want us to see here is that this great news is so amazing. In fact, this great news, we would say, is the best news that the world has ever seen. And one angel says it, but it's then followed by an entire army of angels to respond to it. And that's how heaven responds. So let's look at the promise being fulfilled. So when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds, they said to one another, hey, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing. And notice that has happened. They believe which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went quickly and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. As soon as this angel leaves and the multitude follows with him, they turn to each other and they're probably a mile or two from Bethlehem. And I believe they took off running, leaping over anything in their way, going stable to stable, searching stall after stall. I believe people had to look at them like they were ransacking the town and trying to steal everything there. But all of a sudden, they turned the corner, they rounded the stable, and in this enclosure, wide-eyed and out of breath, they see this young baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in an animal's trough. Their eyes see exactly what they were promised. And notice what they do. When this happened, they began telling everyone what had been told to them. And so here's what you're seeing. These social outcasts, people seen as having no worth and no value, people that many did not trust, they were the very first messengers to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah. The shepherds were the very first evangelists of the Christian church. And although their testimony would never be allowed in court, they were valued and used by God. That God trusted them with the very first proclamation that the Savior had been born. But I go, why shepherds? Of all the people, why shepherds? Why were they the ones to get the announcement that the Christ is here? The greatest announcement the world has ever heard. And I believe it is because Jesus is the shepherd. He's coming to tend his flock, to lead, protect, to lay down his life for his sheep. That he wants you to lie down in green pastures. He wants to lead you beside still waters. He wants to restore your soul and lead you in the path of righteousness. And the shepherds were the first to get to proclaim the arrival of the greatest shepherd. So notice the final scene, the response of God's people. In all who heard it, they wondered and what the shepherds had told them. They, they marveled at this. And in verse 19, then there's his mother. And Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She thought about them. She lingered over them. I believe she reflected on the greatest of the moments the world has ever seen. And I believe she had to be thinking of all the women in Israel. And I get to be this blessed one's mother. 
and the shepherds, they returned and noticed what they're doing, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and had seen as it had been told. They go and they return different than how they showed up. It says they returned glorifying and praising God. They continued to shout His praises. So they come in search of that promise. They wanted to go see. Hey, let's go see this thing that's been promised to us. And they walk away, I believe, with their faith confirmed and deepened. And these shepherds, they went to Bethlehem. And they received the gift of peace. You notice what they do then? They leave. They left offering presents of praise to God. So I think every time in Scripture, every time I'm seeing this now, this is what we see happens. When the peace of God descends on God's people, there is an automatic thing that happens where glory then ascends from God's people back to Him. So I want us to see three major things from this incredible story of the shepherds. First, I want to go back and answer that question. How do we, how do we get to the place where God's favor, or His, His goodwill is upon us, that He's pleased so that peace then falls on us? Remember how it reads in verse 14. It says, peace among those with whom He is pleased. And so here's the somber message of that. It means only those with whom God is pleased will experience peace. That's the only group. The only ones that ever get peace are those whom God is pleased with. So then how do you do that? Well, I believe the key to unlocking that is Hebrews 11.6. Where the offer says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Christmas, it, it doesn't bring peace to all. Only to those with whom he is pleased. And God is pleased through faith. I think that's the key to unlocking this. That God is pleased when we have faith in his promises. When we trust the promises of God, that is when we find peace. But it's not enough just to know the promises. What happens is that we have to trust in those promises even when circumstances are telling us it's absolutely impossible. It means when each and every day, some days we want to give up. Some days we feel like there is absolutely no hope. And those waves of doubt and fear come crashing down. But somehow in some way we're able to say, Lord, I will still trust. Or we cry out to him in those moments, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's when you can trust in God's promises, no matter what circumstances are telling you. And I think that is what pleases the Lord. That is how we find peace that says surpasses all understanding. When each and every day it's one foot in front of the other, trusting when we feel like we can't trust anymore. And you turn around and realize he's carrying you all the day long. Well, the second thing is this. It's been my hope and prayer that you, this Christmas, that you would know and enjoy the peace that these angels announced to the shepherds. 
that this Christmas season, that you would know it's not enough to hear about Jesus. The shepherds heard. It's even not enough to go into, peek into the manger and say, oh, man, how sweet that is. And man, doesn't that just make you feel all warm inside? Man, what a lovely scene. Look at him with his mother. The truth is, is that even if Christ was born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but not born within you, you are eternally lost. That Christ has to be, that was born into the world must be born into your heart. And that's the truth, that even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, only those who receive Christ and trust in Him as Savior and Messiah or Lord will experience the peace that He can bring. God's peace in Christ is offered to everyone, even to you this morning, that do you know you have absolute peace, that you are no longer at war with your, with your Creator? If not, man, we would say, would you please we would plead with you to welcome the peacemaker into your life, into your heart this morning, that you would receive Jesus and ask him to give you the faith to believe and to trust in him alone for peace. But here's the third and final thing. When God chose that announcement to, of the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, he didn't choose the rich and the famous. He, he didn't choose the powerful leaders of the day Instead, he chose those shepherds. The shepherds were the very first to hear the message. And then they were the very first to go and tell. Even though they didn't hold a high or respectable place in society, they held a very special place in the heart of God. They were often seen as social outcast or um, someone unworthy or someone of no value. But God used them to announce that salvation had arrived. So I want you to know that you are loved and you are valued even if it seems like no one else by God. And I hope that you believe that He has a unique purpose for you and He wants to use you just like He did the shepherds. And I think that's what is so unique around here. Because I know we don't have a typical church building. We don't have stained glass if you haven't noticed. We don't even have a steeple. But it's the people of this place watching week after week life groups go out and to serve their community. Sitting with a family yesterday, getting ready to say goodbye to a father and a grandfather. And person after person show up. I couldn't hardly carry on a conversation because of her phone with text and phone calls. And that is people using his people to love others. And that's what makes this place unique because it's a group of people that love the Lord, that are imperfect and flawed in so many ways, but they want to love the Lord and they want to love others. So this week, I hope you'll think about the shepherds. Think about those that didn't hold a high place in society, but they had a very special place in the heart of the Lord. Think about that peace that descended down from heaven and then how the glory ascended from them back to him. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. 
simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.